Our next segment is focused on one of those aspects, which is a, a law that we hardly hear of called nuisance abatement law. We are joined now by Sarah Riley. Sarah is an investigative reporter for The Trace, a nonprofit news outlet dedicated to covering gun violence in America. She was previously an investigative reporter for the New York Daily News, where her investigation with ProPublica into the NYPD's use of the nuisance abatement law won a Pulitzer Prize for public service. And uh, Sarah has also won an Aronson Award this year and a, a, uh, for social justice journalism, which was an awards um, contest that I was a judge of. Good morning, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, when I read the uh, the article, I was pretty shocked. I had never heard of nuisance abatement law. Can you explain what on earth is this? Well, nuisance abatement um, uh, has been around for a long time, even uh, back in the times of British rule. But for New York City, it was a law that was enacted in the late 1970s aimed at uprooting the sex industry in Times Square. And the way that they do that is uh, it's a civil lawsuit that the city uh, files against a location and the owner of that location and uh, the the tenants based on uh, criminal activity. So rather than, uh, say, in the case of a brothel, rather than arresting the women engaged in prostitution or the johns only to see them back the, even the same night in some cases, um, and just sort of going through that revolving door of the criminal justice system, it's a lawsuit that's aimed at the place, so just completely uprooting the illegal enterprise through the civil courts rather than the criminal courts. And, of course, with the civil courts, you have a lower burden of proof, uh, uh, probable, uh, not probable cause, sorry, um, it, 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 for nuisance abatement, mm-hmm. it's actually clear, clear and convincing versus beyond a reasonable doubt. The uh, defendants don't have a right to uh, attorney, and you just have uh, fewer protections, essentially, for the accused. So uh, it's actually uh, a lot easier mm. to prevail in the civil courts than it is in the criminal courts. To build a criminal enterprise case is is very difficult. It's a very high bar. But uh, in essence, it's sort of a, it's a criminal uh, it's a criminal enterprise case that's going to the civil courts in essence, and mm. so it's um, easier uh, to to prevail. Um, one of the most significant aspects of the nuisance abatement law in New York City is the provision for what's called an ex parte closing order. Uh, ex parte right. means uh, order that's sought without the, all the other parties present. So what the city is able to do in these cases is they're able to get a judge to sign an order completely shutting down the location without the other parties, the tenants, even aware that that order is being sought. So they're notified of the case against them when the uh, attorneys and the, uh, a group of police officers show up at their business or their home with an order shutting it down immediately on the spot. And then they have to wait several days to, for the first court appearance where they could, you know, in essence, you know, try and argue to get back inside. Um, but the, but the, the, in the meantime, the location is closed down until the case is resolved. Sarah- that, and that turned out Sarah, I was just going to ask you. So, when they um, when this happens to someone, and then they show up at court, 
are are they they're not entitled to legal representation how do they defend themselves against something like this they have never heard of it probably they don't know how the court even works how does that play out well so that's exactly the point is uh for for businesses most often the, the businesses had attorneys but for the residents the vast majority of the residential tenants uh who are often poor minority uh, tenants in you know low-income communities uh, d- did not have attorneys, and it was actually really shocking. Uh, just interviewing people, a lot of times they conflated the nuisance abatement case with the other proceedings uh, that revolved around the same incident. Uh, some people thought actually they, they conflated the case with the criminal case, and one woman who I spoke to thought if she didn't sign the settlement that the NYPD attorney was pressuring her to sign that she would actually go to jail, not realizing that that's not something that could happen to her in the in the civil courts. Um, uh, over and over and over again, the people who I spoke to thought that the NYPD's attorney, who would often poll, uh, it's different attorneys, but I, I heard this over and over again in different courts, they would show up to court and an attorney, a friendly attorney, would pull them out into the hallway and advise them to sign this settlement agreement that uh, oftentimes banned family members, sometimes for life, allowed their police to make warrantless searches, uh, called for immediate closure of their residence if even accused of wrongdoing in the future. They thought that this attorney uh, was uh, an attorney that was there to advise them. Several people called the attorney the court-appointed attorney, not realizing that in civil court they're not appointed an attorney. They're not entitled Wow. An attorney. Um, and so it, it, there's just, a, you know, a lack of, uh, of savviness. It's a very complex area of law. Even speaking to city council members, I would have to explain some of the more arcane provisions, you know, over and over again, because it just sort of goes against our sense of what's right and wrong and what's allowed under the, uh, the Constitution. It's mm. a sort of convoluted area of law and for a tenant, uh, sometimes not even speaking English, to go into these negotiations without anyone there to represent them, um, it's really an uh, imbalance. Sarah, a lot of research went into this. Um, you worked, at, you were a reporter at the Daily News, and you uh, did this research in partnership with ProPublica. Can you and you reviewed, I guess, about five over five hundred um, actions that were filed in the Supreme Courts between two thousand thirteen and fourteen. Um, how did that research unfold? What were some of your key findings? So I actually read uh, 1,162 cases filed in 2013, the first half of 2014, because the other half of the cases were filed against businesses, which we which we covered in a different a different piece. But uh, we we basically uh, me and several researchers from ProPublica, uh, I, I pulled all the index numbers into a spreadsheet, and then we just went through the court filings and entered dozens of uh, factors uh, about each case into a spreadsheet so that so that I, I could analyze the cases for various trends. Uh, so as I had previously mentioned, one of the findings was that, you know, very few uh, of the tenants had, uh, uh, residential tenants rather, were represented by attorneys. Most of them went into the negotiations pro se. Um, in terms of the ex parte closing order, we found that 
judges signed these orders uh, 70% of the time, although it varied widely by judge. So judicial discretion really played a huge played, role in played, these cases. Played a big part in that. Well, uh, Sarah, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, in, in my neighborhood, I have heard uh, complaints, uh, a number of complaints uh, that come from people who are are angry that uh, people, uh, that the police rather, don't do more to get rid of criminal businesses and, and neighbors. Did you talk to any of the people on the other side of the situation? Uh, if, if you did, uh, what did they say? Yeah, we certainly did. And in my story, uh, we have a couple of examples of that. One in particular, uh, there was a, a woman who uh, her and her, her children uh, were essentially evicted through a nuisance abatement action. I spoke with her neighbor. Her neighbor said that uh, she actually assisted the police in the investigation. It sounds like mm. there was a lot of drug activity at the mm. home. The neighbor, who also had small children, often they would have to step over people who yeah. were knotted out mm. in the stairwells with you know drug paraphernalia scattered across the floor, mm. constant sounds of screaming and and uh, people coming in and out at all hours of the day. There, there certainly is a, a utility for the law. Um, I think that, uh, and and uh, I think one of the biggest uh, complaints that people have, particularly in, in Queens, for example, I heard from a lot of elected officials that, you know, their, their, uh, resident, their constituents uh, complain about brothels, legal massage parlors, the police doing nothing about that. I think that what we, what resulted from our series was, just uh, particularly with the 18 uh, or sorry 13 laws that were passed by city council uh, was just more uh, safeguards more uh, parameters within the law to protect it from being abused and and ensuring that it's used uh, properly in, in appropriate cases and in cases where there's strong evidence uh, another important finding we looked at all the people who were barred from homes or who gave up their leases to settle these nuisance cases and found that fewer than half were convicted of any crime in the underlying investigation that the, that the nuisance statement case was did, based did on. Did you say fewer and than half, sir? Yeah. Fewer than half. Fewer than and, half. And, 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 you know, over 40 of the 300 people that we looked at weren't even prosecuted for a crime so uh, the, most of these cases were drug cases. The state average for conviction for drug cases uh, for both misdemeanors and felonies is uh, 75%. I'm sorry, the New York City average. Hmm. Uh, but these cases, it was less than 50%. I think it was 48%. So I think that we were showing that a lot of times these cases were based on uh, flimsy charges and, uh, and and sometimes, you know, no arrests. Our prosecution, uh, and uh, for in case of the businesses, uh, about half of them were based on underage alcohol sales, and of course, with underage alcohol sales or and other alcohol violations, these businesses already face state penalties for those violations. Mm. Uh, they uh, there was a law passed to ensure that if they are going to use these over alcohol violations, it has to be in really really egregious cases mm. because the way that it was before. What I found was that in certain neighborhoods, minority neighborhoods, the businesses were pe penalized by both the state penalties and the nuisance abatement action for alcohol violations, whereas in other areas that had high alcohol violations but maybe weren't minority areas, they only faced the state penalty, which is sort of at the heart of 
the complaint over the way that criminal justice is doled out mm. in the city, well, which is that the penalties are harsher in certain neighborhoods. Well, Sarah, unfortunately, we are just about out of time. Um, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Listeners can uh, Google nuisance abatement, and the article comes uh, right up. Uh, the title of the article is fairly long, I guess. It's uh, the NYPD is kicking people out of their homes even if they haven't committed a crime. That's actually just one part in in a multi-part series that you worked on. Thank you so very much for, for joining us, and congratulations on your recent uh, award wins. Great. Thank you so much. Appreciate it so much, Sarah Riley. We're going to wrap up the program now. Well, we have wrapped up, but I just wanted to mention that His Excellency Rolando Vergara, First Secretary of Cuba to the United Nations, and Gail Walker, Executive Director of IFCO, Pastors for Peace, will be the guest speakers at the People's Organization for Progress meeting, which will take place this Thursday, April 20th, 6.30 p.m. at the Abyssinian Baptist Church in Newark, New Jersey, 224 West Kinney Street in Newark. All are invited. For information, you can call POP at 973-801-0001. That's it, Pam. Have a wonderful week. I'll see you next Tuesday, Michael. Absolutely. Don't forget, folks, 